Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast, brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. This edition of the Planet Laundry Podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous sponsorship of Continental Gerbal. At Continental Gerbal, we want to help you make your laundry dream a reality. Our local distributor experts help you evaluate potential laundry locations, conceptualize your equipment mix and services, develop a cash flow summary, and assist with financing, laundry design, signage, marketing, and technical services. Does your dream laundry include a drive-up door, high-speed equipment, sanitizing ozone, commercial laundry services, or something altogether different? Whatever your vision, Continental will help you make it happen. Visit ContinentalGerbao.com today. Welcome to this edition of the Planet Laundry Podcast. My name is Bob Neiman, and I'm editor of Planet Laundry Magazine. Today, I'm with Daniel Sofranco, the owner of Perfect Wash Express Laundry Center in Huntington Beach, California. Hey, Dan, thanks for being with us. Hey, Bob, great to be here. Awesome. Hey, you and I go back a few years. I want to say clean 2013, and you were kind of doing your, your due diligence before getting into the industry. Isn't that right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. When, part of my due diligence was subscribing to Planet Laundry magazine. And through Planet Laundry, I, I realized I needed to go to Clean 13. And so I believe we met there. It's kind of interesting because we've sort of come full circle. Uh, you were you were thinking about the industry. Obviously, you got into it. You've been successful. You purchased that store, Perfect Wash. And and uh, actually, this, this coming month, uh, the September issue of Planet Laundry, your store is showcased as one of the uh, the coolest and most interesting laundromats in the country. So uh, congratulations for that accolade. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I did, you know, a lot of work went into that and, and for the store to be, you know, that, that neat, that cool, that clean after all these years is a testament to the staff as well. But it's an honor to, to be included anytime in, in Planet Laundry Magazine. Right. Well, it's been a pleasure working with you on, on that and then other projects uh, in the in the past. But let's talk about Perfect Wash and just the, the whole atmosphere there. Uh, specifically, what were you trying to accomplish with the look and the feel of Perfect Wash? Sure. Well, first of all, as the business model overall was to try to deliver something to, to far exceed the customer's expectations. So that was the foundation for the design that went into it. Being by the beach was a, a major influence. When I took over the store, it was just a standardized shotgun store from you know sometime in the 80s and so there's nothing really personalized about it but i wanted to i wanted to create something that felt like it belonged by the beach and i wanted to kind of bring in more of an outdoor kind of feeling to it more relaxed feeling to it so what we created there was feeling of of being outside almost you know some out uh, exterior elements inside some natural lighting coming in from the uh, tubular skylights that we uh, we have in the in the roof there. So those help with the the bottom line of the electric bill, but they really create a great feeling, a more natural feeling, and it keeps everyone kind of calmer when they're in there rather than being you know uh, beaten down by fluorescent lights or LED lights. Now it's kind of more of an electronic feeling. So uh, we want them to feel natural and, and, and have our customers be relaxed while they're doing a chore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you kind of answered it, but what made you choose that particular direction or style as opposed to some something else you could have done? Well, um, 
being like I said, being by the beach was a major influence. But uh, when I selected that store and started to go after it, I had only, that was only the third laundromat I've ever been in my whole life. So I started going to as many as I could. I went to a couple hundred laundromats, honestly, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I I saw something in, in many of them that I really liked. I, I felt that I could incorporate. I've always sort of had an eye for design and how things should go together. So I, I borrowed a lot of elements. I mean, it's not everything's unique, but I think the way I put it together under the Express Laundry Center branding kind of cemented it. And so I, I did something, I took their concept and I did something a little, I think, beyond. And then I took a lot of the elements that I saw in other stores that I liked that, that spoke to me and I put them together. So it was just kind of an inspiration of seeing a lot of things and, and getting that right feeling. Right, right. I guess in a way, the, the location kind of served as inspiration too. It, it kind of, it kind of just, you know, spoke to you in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, personally, what's your favorite design element of your store? Do you have one? Well, well, have fun with this. Okay, so I painted the the ceiling a slate blue, but I'm not. It's not trying to be the sky, and and the floor is a, a epoxy quartz epoxy in red. It's non-slip, and it's kind. Of, it's like sand, but it's not trying to be the sand. So. When you put them together, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, have the laundry be a poser and, and be like you're at the beach, but it has that feel to it. You know, you're inside, but you, you kind of have that feeling like you have space, you, you're, you're more relaxed, you're not closed in. So I think the overall feel of the, the ceiling and, and the floor capture in between them. I think that's really what the, the best element is. Right, right. It's, it's a subtle, almost unconscious kind of vibe that you have that yeah. you get the outdoor feel. Well, well said. Yeah, you're exactly right, Bob. Right. Well, are there any elements that you're thinking of adding or that you would like to add or maybe amenities that you don't offer that you'd, uh, you'd like to do? Anything down the road? As I expand the brand, I've toyed with the idea of having different themes to the decor, having it be similar materials, but then like a different theme. You know, uh, in Oslo, there's a museum, I think it's, I believe it's called the Ostrup Finley Museum. And I would just love to build a store around that concept. But then on the flip side of that is, hey, you know, this is the branding, this is what a perfect wash express laundry center is. And so I don't want to deviate too far unless I'm unless I really kind of have a overall plan of that. So there's that that I'm tinkering around with. And of course it's going to have, you know, uh, have a lot to do with availability of materials and, and what, you know, what the, the costs and availability are at that time. Future stores, I uh, will most definitely add ozone into everything. I, I still haven't put it, I really don't have too much space in this one to add anything, but I'm, keeping my focus on future expansion. So that's, I think, uh, an important piece, though, of a store is, is to have all those resources available like Ozone to really help you market, but also deliver a better product. Right, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about as well. Mm -hmm. Well, shifting gears a little bit, certainly the past sure. year and a half has been beyond challenging for everyone, small business owners especially, maybe. How has the market been in in your area over the past 18 months? How has the laundry business been for you? Well, 
Yeah, it, it to say it's been challenging is an understatement, definitely. And, and even though we, the CLA did a wonderful job advocating for this industry and getting us recognized as an essential business, essential industry nationwide was fantastic because then we didn't have to really dig too deep into cash reserves. But of course, that, that happened. You know, everyone had to dip into some cash. Everyone had to work longer hours for uh, less outcome, uh, reduced outcome for a period of time. The self-service side really didn't suffer too bad because there was still laundry in that three-quarter radius, and it still had to be done. Uh, I think one major fact that kept us going is the fact that our market knows that we're the cleanest store in the county. Already trusted us to keep the place clean and safe. And so when they came in, a lot of people stayed away for a while, but when they came in or people that kept coming in, they, they already trusted us. They already knew. So the self-service didn't suffer too too badly. Where we took the biggest hit was the commercial pickup and delivery because a lot of those businesses had to shut down. Some of them were supposed to shut down and, well, we stepped yet. Still kept getting some stuff, some laundry from them, but I'll never say who. <laughs> but uh, we... That was a that was a big hit, and I didn't know. I figured the drop off laundry was going to take the biggest hit, but the the commercial route pretty much vanished. But we did end up starting to pick up residential pickup and delivery customers, people who didn't want to leave their house that felt comfortable enough to leave their laundry on their porch. So we saw the biggest gains there. Unfortunately, some of those uh, commercial customers still haven't come back. Either they, they went out of business or they have decided against what they were sending to us to be laundered. So things are still a little weird, a little off. And as small business people, you know, we can adapt to anything. You let us know what's coming down the pike and, and we can project out, we can adapt. And in this pandemic, it, it was a it was a pretty big blow in terms you know if you look at it as a recession but it was man made so it wasn't natural so it's like we couldn't see it coming we didn't know how it was going to act and every time especially in California every time you think you have a handle on it they they move the goalposts you know this this poor restaurant owners bought all their food all their supplies for Thanksgiving and then the day before Thanksgiving they announced another shutdown. So they didn't do it two days before and they didn't do it two days after. And that made a huge difference for those industries. The timing has definitely been questioned, especially, you know, myself included questioned that timing. But that's what I think the biggest challenge is the unpredictability, the loss of being able to project down the road because we can we'll figure it out. But we need some lead time with some sort of semblance of being consistent, being, you know, predictable. Right. Right, right. Well, how have you best coped with uh, with that professionally? The shifting of goalposts, goal the unpredictability. You know, what are, what have been some of the major challenges? I think you mentioned some of the top ones, but how have you coped? Well, I, I haven't had a drink in over nine and a half years, so I didn't use alcohol to cope. But I, I know I know a lot of people did. <laughs> you just have to keep going forward. You just have to keep marching and. A lot of my suppliers were limiting the supplies. It didn't matter that, you know, we're, you know, I'm a bulk buyer and I need this for my business. I still had to go there over and over, stand in line, buy the limited supply, go back in, do it again. I kept busy with a bunch of that little crap that really just 
it got it got me through a cut the first couple months you know and it took that but it's really it's the tenacity and it's when, when that tenacity burns out is when you retire and so if you still if you're still going then you just got to keep going for me it, it taught me it taught me patience very frustrating but you just keep going and you get through and I did it for I did it for the business overall of course I did it for the money that I pull out to pay my mortgage with but first and foremost first on my mind were those employees of mine I did it for their jobs right. I had to do it for their jobs I had to keep the store stocked because if we start running out of supplies now even though they're still working through this scary time and back in you know the second quarter of 2020 it was very scary i lost sleep wondering whether or not i should keep them working you know as we got towards summer things started you know coming out there's like okay we did the right thing but we didn't know for first three months that was scary and but i i figured i had to keep the store stocked i had to keep the employees going and i didn't want them to feel like we were running out of something or something was wrong i didn't want the customers to think we were doing anything different i wanted them to feel like we're still here we're still doing us that's what kept me going and it it's worked i'm exhausted but you know i'll rest i guess i'll sleep when i'm dead <laughs> right like you say keep that consistency and, and keep pushing and yeah better days better days ahead certainly as you mentioned one of the segments of the industry that has somewhat grown has been that uh, full service uh, residential laundry and the pickup and delivery, which yeah. and you, you've been doing. What important ways has your full service laundry business evolved over the years? Because I know you've always done it, but how has that evolution taken place, especially in the last year or so? Well, g going back to how it, it grew, and I did not predict that. And looking back, it, it seems obvious, especially with all the on-demand apps for every other service. The reason why I didn't think it would grow is because I, I think that's the most elastic segment that, the, that this industry serves. When we have a natural recession, a business cycle correction, I think that's the first segment that's going to be cut back because it's the most luxurious segment. That's when you see, you know, dry cleaners are also, they retract in those times because people are working less or losing their jobs. They don't need as, as many of the uh, garments that need to be dry cleaned. It's also a luxury, you know, it's a, it's a luxury service. So is the residential pickup and delivery. So I called that wrong. Now, it didn't hurt me because we were already there. The driver is already on the road. I was trying to get him, you know, trying to fill up his hours. And so when the calls started coming in, well, we just went. And our turnarounds got quicker, so we had to, you know, make sure we train the the cut the new customers that they're getting quicker turnarounds than maybe we're average. But we we kept everything, we kept all the segments running, and so when we were called, we were even more flexible than we normally are to just go out and 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 serve something or somebody. And and that's what it was. That's what it's about is being prepared. Kind of a, an aside to that are some of these app-based pickup and delivery services that, that want to kind of be the Uber of laundry. And the issue with some of those services is that they're not attached to the other business segments that a brick and mortar is. Yeah, they avoid the overhead of the loan and the utilities and that. But when a true recession comes or, God forbid, a uh, depression, which many predict in the next decade, it's that self-service segment that's the backbone of the whole thing. You know, that it's the least amount of uh, headache that kind of carries uh, everything else on top of it. 
and if they're not attached to something like that, they're just operating in that luxury segment, then I think some of those app-based services are going to suffer the quickest. And so that's something to look out for because, you know, when, when something does occur in the economy, there are certain leading indicators. And, you know, if you start losing residentials and, you know, the luxury people are pulling back. So it helps give you that, you know, ability to project out. No, certainly the uh, the walk-in self-service business are, are kind of your season ticket holders, aren't they? As as you yeah. say, the, the backbone of the business, and they they can't be forgotten or or neglected as you build these other segments around to build business and yeah. diversify. It requires the least amount of labor. All the costs are fixed. You know, most of the costs are fixed, and the variable rate margin on that is huge. So, I mean, it takes you a couple of weeks to get to break even every month. But then the the rest of the when she gets to break even the the upside is is huge on on a good well you know a well built store that's in great condition so that it's given me the flexibility to trial and error on the other segments and make mis- mistakes some of them costly because man they just everyone's got to do that laundry so it's it's it is the fundamental backbone of the industry. Well, with regard to the full service segment, where do you see the greatest opportunities down the road? Well, the, the upside potential for residential pickup and delivery is, is seemingly limitless at this point. There's three good operators in my area, and I actually don't consider either one of them, the other two, to be competition. And I'm the smallest. And the reason for that is all, for all three of us, we have the same chief competitor, and that is the uninformed customer. The one, the future customer doesn't know that you can do this yet. There's, so much to go around and we just were up and operating and we're ready just like we were in the pandemic is to well the van's on the road the driver's in the van we get the calls we go so as more customers become more informed like they did during the pandemic we can go and serve them so the the i think the name of the game the opportunity is you know, get this concept out there. So if your competitor is doing advertising, great. He's, he's helping themselves first, but all everyone else in the area as well. And so that, that benefits all the operators. You know, we're, I don't think there's too many markets now that are, would be considered anywhere close to saturated in that segment. So I think, but the name, the, the, the best operators are going to give the best service and the best product. I don't like to have too many business models in between myself and the customer. And so I, you know, now in California with, you know, independent contracting being illegal, we've always had employees and I, that's always been my intention to have that. So I, I like to have control over the entire process and the people involved. And I think that's how the brand gets disseminated the best. And I don't mind paying them an employer's, employee's wage because they're earning it. If, it. if you're doing your business right, then you're earning enough. The business is bringing in enough to pay your people well and keep them happy. And I think that's what we're doing here. But it's just you have to – that brand has to mean something. Right, right. Well, you know, you, you bring it up labor and uh, it's certainly been in the news today with the worker crisis. So let's talk about your staff a little bit. How important have they been to your success? Well, integral. Because I wouldn't have success without them. This business came became much larger than myself within the first year. I started to refer to everything as we because it's selfish to say I anymore. 
because they're the ones that they came and, and, and bought into the vision and they're the ones executing it now. And so there's a lot of customers in the store who they're surprised to learn that I'm the owner because they meet with someone else on a regular basis. They see someone else more regularly. Right. I just had my third employee take five years of tenure. So I have three of those now. I know in a laundromat, it's great. And yeah. uh, this was his first job. I got him right at, uh, right out of high school. Well, there's three of them now, and I think that's that's outstanding. It, it's it's a testament to you know the store, the environment, of course, but it's not an easy job. So it it you, then you got to look for you know the the company culture, how they tr- uh, the employees treat each other, how I treat everybody, and how the customers treat them. You know, because I tell them, you know, sometimes when people get tough with the customers, I say, well, then there's a customer we might need to fire. Let's look into that because I don't pay them to get kicked around. Right. And, you know, the the customer's always right until they get belligerent. <laughs> so, and, and no one's immune from that, especially now. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of angry traveling or, you know, just kind of frustrated and, and, and just exa- everyone's exhausted, you know, we're getting beaten over the head with the same thing for a year and a half going on two years. They're going to lash out. We, we get it. That staff is everything. I call them the best team in the country. And I believe that. And, and when customers kind of cock their head, when I say that I qualify and say, you know, I know a lot of great operators around the country and I know who their teams are. And I think uh, there's some fantastic teams and we're right there with them. And I think they could be very well the best in the country. And I, I tell them, I mean that I put it in print, I put it on, on podcasts all the time. What, what are the keys or what are some of the, some of the keys to building the best team in America? Well, consistency, you know, and that is in your HR practices, fairness, they're, they're human beings, they're people, you got to make sure that they are treated like people. I don't treat them like employees. I, I don't have a whole lot of jargon, you know, either. So it's definitely not corporate, but, you know, they know that I'm, I've been in the trenches with them and I still jump in when I have to. I'm still the driver number two and they see me in uniform making deliveries they see me helping out and fixing machines, doing a lot of things behind the scenes that they don't envy that I have to do or are glad that they just have their simpler tasks. But they see me there. I'm not just a, I'm not just a business owner. I'm not just my own boss. I'm also my own employee. That's a double-edged sword. But as far as, far as employment, I think that goes a long way to show them that I'm not I, I, when I tell them, I'm not too good to do anything that I've asked you to do, and I've done it all myself as well, and you probably won't ever make a mistake that I haven't already made myself. So I bring myself down to the store level and say, oh, we're all just people doing this, you know, I mean, and, and I treat them well, I pay them, I pay them decently, and it just, it just seems to work, and, and as people get more and more tenure, I don't think I have any people hanging on that maybe shouldn't be there. And so when you have the good people getting tenure, being there for a long time, I mean, I have the same core I had four years ago. It's the same core, you know, a couple new people in and out. That's fine. You know, they've gotten close. They've gotten close to each other in the community. They uh, watch babies grow up, you know, a couple of years ago, that baby was in a stroller. Now they're running around raising heck, you know, right? Right. right. it's neat. Yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. And, and like you said, it, it gets down to uh, respect. You, nobody's yeah. above anybody and, and doing that. And it, seems, it certainly seems to work. Uh, Number one, yeah, respect. Yeah. 
Yeah. What are some of the What are some of the biggest concerns you're hearing from other store owners that that you speak to uh, in your market across the country? What are I guess what are some of the leading issues? What are some of the hot buttons facing the industry as as you see them right now? The crime. That's a you know I hate to say it and 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 this industry has a a dark history in, in that regard going back, but recently or more recent in the last decade I'd say post renaissance of the industry. I think we've seen a mitigation of that because of the better stores, the nicer stores, the attended stores that are being built, nice neighborhoods is like mine as well. So I think that there's been this, this scrubbing of the industry. And I think that it's become very clean, very safe, very efficient. But now with a lot of different laws coming into effect for many different reasons, especially in California, we can point to three pieces of legislation that has really caused the quality of life in public, public life to decline. And, and crimes aren't as severe, uh, punishment's not as severe or as common anymore. You're starting to see um, more people on the street. I think this has been I think this is an intended consequence of some of that legislation, but I'm not going to get into that. But I, I see on some of the, the forums, more owners reporting instances of, hey, I lost my Gucci XYZ in your washer or you, you know, the whole you, you returned the 99 percent of my plus and fold that was H from H&M, but you lost the one couture piece that was, you know, 10 million dollars. And, you know, you see, I, I hear more cases of these, these attempted shakedowns and that, that that'll always exists. But I think a lot of times people are getting more desperate and this pandemic has really exacerbated all of that. And there are a lot of people who are truly desperate. And when you operate in an industry such as ours that with the intended demographics that we have uh, for a large part, you're going to have a higher occurrence of that. Mm -hmm. Now, I also believe I have one of the best clientele in the country. So I'm, I'm kind of walking on eggshells here. I don't want to, you know, denigrate the customers, but we know our demographics and we know who's getting, who's had the hardest time through this pandemic. And I do believe that there is some more, there's a lot of desperation. And I do believe that that's going to be exacerbated pretty soon when a lot of the policies that are keeping some people afloat expire. So it's, and especially in California, it's just getting so out of control that even in the nice neighborhoods, you got to watch yourself. Some of us are taking measures, taking some training to protect ourselves. And it's become necessary, not just a luxury these days. But I, I think there should be a shifting of the tides, hopefully on September 14th, but we'll see what happens. California, I call, I, you know, I love Cal. This is my home, but California is the dumb blonde of states. Thank God she's pretty, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't stand a chance, but that's, that's my feeling. And, and, and I love her and I'm staying with her. And maybe that makes me crazy, but I don't think many of the viewers thought I was saying to begin with. So no loss. <laughs> Hey, personally, Dan, what's what's the biggest mistake you've ever made in this business? If you care to share it. Sure. You know, I'm not trusting my gut. When I okay. built the first store, I, you know, I surrounded myself with a great team of, of, of people who knew what they were doing, been in this industry, uh, built in this industry. And I took some bad advice that I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I knew that it 
my gut was going off and I didn't listen to my gut because I had a couple of individuals that had resumes a mile long and, ex and experience up the wazoo. And I just relied on that. And then it burned me. I was the one that got burned. I got the timeline and the, and the, and the, the invoice for that. And that taught me a valuable lesson. Hey, at that point, I've only been on this planet for 33 years, but I've been on this planet for 33 years. And I should have trusted my gut and it, and it taught me that. And that was a value. It turned out to be a very valuable experience. And uh, a lot of positive came from that mistake. It, it led me to kind of jump in and, and, and do a lot of the work myself on the first store. Uh, I could say that I built at least 20% of that entire store with these hands. I know that's a bold statement when you, you know, divide that across all the different number, you know, the number of workers that worked at, uh, on that project at a, any given point. I feel confident, yeah, 20%. I know every square inch and I hope to never be put in that position again, but I'm glad I was. So I, I take that with me my entire career. Well, hey, given, given all your experience now, what, what advice can you share with other owners or maybe potential investors today that maybe you yeah. wish you knew eight years ago? Well, what I learned eight years ago was to, to spend the money on research, spend the time and money, because a lot of people, they ask questions, they get a little, they, they ask a question that like a, a junior level question on the forums, and they're still kind of like just got accepted as freshmen. Do your homework. You know, joining the CLA was one of the best things I did because it, it connected me to a lot of operators and some of the best operators in the country. It, it gave me the resources of a lot of literature podcast like this and i quietly off on my own research industry gave myself what i call bachelors in, in laundry and and spent some money on going to different places go to a open house the distributor open houses or any sort of presentations that you can you can find uh, talk to different owners and, and of course go to the clean show you know go to the event spend the money I spent money on an industry before this that I ended up deciding that was not for me. And I probably spent a good five grand on that. But if you're going to spend a quarter, half million dollars to get into an industry, blow five just to, you know, get a better understanding. And, and if you decide not to do it, it's not wasted. It, that was an investment of your future time that you did something else with. So really know that you want to do it. And and just surround yourself with people. This industry is very open that way. If you want to, you know, join the CLA, go to the events. People want to meet you and, and hear your questions. And when you do your homework and you come and ask the right questions, if you're a freshman, you ask the freshman questions or the sophomore questions after that, then it makes sense. Owners don't feel like you're just pumping them for their financials right off the bat. Oh, I'm thinking about this. Can I see your P&L? It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. No, great yeah. point. Great point. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to give you the last word or the parting shots. But what, what maybe haven't we discussed today that uh, you think owners or investors need to know, would like to know about you, your laundromat journey, just your business in general? But uh, what maybe haven't we talked about that you'd like to get out there? Anything? Well, you know, anyone who tells you this is an absentee business is lying to your face. And I've seen distributors say that in the last few years. I went to an open house when I was researching. And this is not my distributor for that and other reasons. But realize that 
there's no such thing as as easy laundromats anymore. And I mean, unless you're, you know, washing the money, but if you're actually doing it as a business, it, it is a business. Treat it like a business. It's your baby and, and it will grow. And it is a job until you can get big enough to replace yourself for the 20th, 30th, 40th time. And that's the, the trick is every step of the way you have to replace yourself. And it's one of the hardest things that business owners could do or have to do, but it's also one of the most important. I was my, I was my own fifth attendant. The moment I realized that I took myself off the folding table and said, Nope, I'm hiring someone else. I was the first driver. As soon as the schedule got, you know, robust enough to hire a driver, I got out of the van. I was my first manager. As soon as I found someone willing to do a schedule, I got the hell out of there. You know, I don't, <laughs> scheduling's no fun, but you, I've replaced myself a half dozen times at least. And you have to recognize those situations and you have to learn how to do that while still being there, while still being in touch with your customers. There's still only one layer between myself and my customers and that's my staff. If you have too many layers, or your business model is too complicated, or if it's based around your tax return, you're going to lose touch. You're going to get further away from your customers. So, so you got to stay close, but you got to replace yourself. That's the balance. And I have not perfected that. I've gotten better at it. I've gotten good at it. And there's been times that I've gotten too far away. So it's a, you're constantly dialing in and it's, it's never, it's like a, a set of valve, you know, valve lifters from the sixties. You're never going to get it right. You get it right two days later, just them again, you know? Yeah. That's going back. I used to be a mechanic. I'm not that old, but. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's it. It's, it's reading the business, learning how, when you can get away, when, you need to be there and, you know, just having that, that balance and discipline and we will never get it right. We will never get it perfect. We're just going to keep going. Like I was saying, keep going. As long as you can move forward, you're in it. When you can't keep going forward, then get out of it. Right. You know, Excellent pull the ripcord. Excellent yeah. points and uh, probably good place to leave it right there, Dan. Thank yeah. you so much. Always a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. I always learn something and always enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Rod. Thanks for letting me be such a big part of this industry and, and you know, giving me a lot of pages in, in the magazine. It's been great to, to be able to grace the pages of Planet Laundry multiple times and, and be a part of this, this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, uh, for the our, our pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at planetlaundry.com slash subscribe. And don't forget to follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.